It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the new week of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I am, of course, T.J. Walker. Plenty to talk about today. Uh, another gorgeous day in Louisville. I don't know if I need to continue to say this every day. Maybe just the next time that the weather's not good, I'll say something about it. Uh, and, and if I go this week without playing some sort of golf, uh, some sort of golf is if there's multiple options, but uh, I need to get nine holes in eventually this week. I've uh, a lot of been doing a lot of work last week. Worked obviously this weekend. Helped my parents move into a new house yesterday. So I need a little bit of break. Was in. Uh, downtown Louisville today at the Galt House. John Calipari spoke with the UK Alumni Association in Louisville at the luncheon, annual luncheon. He went first. He said he had to get back to Lexington because they actually had a recruit on campus and he needed to get back and talk to him and spend time with the recruit. Obviously, he couldn't say the recruit's name. That's an NCAA violation. That recruit is Isaiah Briscoe who I had mentioned, kind of teased before the week. Uh, expect some news coming from him this week. Uh, obviously, we'll keep you updated on that as it, as it occurs, but I uh, wouldn't be completely shocked possibly to see him be Kentucky's second commit in the class of 2015, and that, that could be ma- moving sooner than later. Anyways, John Calipari spoke with the with over uh, about 1,000 people at the Galt House. It was a really good crowd. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Kentucky beats Vanderbilt. The streak is over. The 17-game losing streak against SEC opponents has come to an end. A lot to talk about in that game. It is Should UK fans be encouraged? Was that a good win? Was it a bad win? Uh, I'll, I'll give you my take on, on that. Louisville beats Wake Forest. Uh, the same questions could be asked. I, I think maybe some easier answers for the Louisville win against Wake Forest. Not not a pretty win whatsoever. I was listening, and, and I, I think Paul Rogers with Louisville Radio does a fantastic job uh, at Louisville, just sport, whatever it's basketball or football or whatever he's calling. I think he does a, a really good job. I, I don't know who the color commentator is, and I, I, I listened to the game coming back from Lexington after the UK game, driving back the hour, I didn't even see a second of the Louisville game on TV. Just listened to the to the end there on the radio. And uh, again, I, I don't know who the color commentator guy is. He, he did a fine job from what I could tell for the most part. But it was right when Louisville got ahead and then got the ball back. And at that point, you, you got the sense that Wake Forest offense wasn't going to do anything. Louisville's looking like they were going to to close this game out against Wake Forest. And whoever the color commentator was made made a comment, and Yates, I want you to weigh in on this, that Louisville hadn't played that bad. And if a few things go some other ways, they're winning this game. uh, His exact quote was, if a few things go the other way, Louisville's winning this game 35 to nothing at this point. How could that possibly be true when Louisville was down a, a good chunk of this game? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that statement may not be 100% accurate, but they didn't play great. I don't want to put it that way, but I don't know that it's that far off. I mean, we're talking about 
two missed field goals, and a fluke fumble that turned into a touchdown. So if you you know make both of those field goals and you don't give up that defensive touchdown, we're talking about what twenty six to three game. So I don't I don't know that his statement is completely outside the realm of possibility based on the way they played. I mean, they, the defense just completely shut down Wake Forest. The Wake Forest's offense did nothing the entire game. Now, that's not to say that Louisville's offense was great, but, I mean, I think 35 to nothing is probably a, a relatively realistic possibility. Okay, so you're not thinking it was crazy as I was. I didn't get to listen or see the first half as I was finishing up interviews and typing stories in Lexington before I got on the road, but... And I guess I had missed Wake Forest's touchdown as well. Uh, I, I went back and obviously read the box scores and game stories from that from the Louisville Wake Forest game for what I missed. But it was just it was listening to how much Louisville's offense was struggling for the most part throughout that game and not being able to do much. Uh, it just I, I thought that was a pretty funny comment that Louisville should have been up thirty-five to nothing. It, it, it almost seemed random, and also field field goal kickers and college or as inconsistent as as anything you can't I don't know if you can really use that as he should have made those I know he's a a pretty good kicker for the most part I think what was he 44 or 50 in his career or something along those lines Uh, that's solid but you're still going to miss field goals if you're a college kicker it happens all the time anyways but the 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 point is, you don't have to look pretty in college football games. A win is all that matters. And maybe you want to look pretty if you're going to go to the college football playoffs. But uh, Kentucky and Louisville won't be in the college football playoffs this year. So the Kentucky game, I've been thinking a lot about it. And during the game, it was ugly. It wasn't super fun to watch. Uh, it wasn't very entertaining to watch. And it was kind of at the surface what you'd imagine a Kentucky-Vanderbilt SEC game looking like. Two traditional bottom feeders in the SEC. But the more I thought about it, I I could have went on a big rant about Kentucky's game, about how that was not the performance they needed. They they went ultra-conservative, and that's... That's not what they needed to do to, to keep their confidence and momentum heading up, heading into the South Carolina game. But the more I thought about it, I, I don't feel that rant would be accurate. The whole game on Saturday it was just such a, a vanilla game. It was not good enough for me to get worked up over where I felt I could you know, make a good three minutes of radio talking about this is why Kentucky football is Kentucky football. Uh, the crowd wasn't, and I had said on Friday, if the crowd was going to be bad, I was going to, I was going to rip into UK football fans a little bit. But the crowd wasn't bad enough where that was, where that's the right thing to do. The crowd was actually uh, pretty solid. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best crowd Commonwealth Stadium has ever seen, but it was the best crowd they've seen this season. For the most part, maybe five minutes after kickoff, it, it filled in. It was a loud crowd. It was an active crowd. It was an involved crowd. Uh, still not a sellout, and I think any UK fan would be lying if they said that it wouldn't want to see more people there. But it was just good enough to get by. Uh, so I, I, I won't, like I said on Friday, I, I, there won't be a rant 
uh, like I said, if the if UK's crowd had been disappointed, and it might, it seemed ten minutes before kickoff, it was a late arriving a late arriving crowd. It, it seemed like Kentucky wouldn't have a ton of fans in the in the stands, but uh, it filled in nicely. It was just good enough. So the whole game was was relatively vanilla. And what I'm taking away from UK's win is yes, you would have liked UK's offense to look better. Uh, I, I got the feel during the second quarter that it had a very Ohio feel to it. UK's offense comes out hot, looks good, defense is looking solid. The game has a, a good feel to it, but then it, during the second quarter, things started to change. They started to look different. At that point, uh, you wondered what UK's offense was going to be able to do. Now, I do think, and I'm buying into this, I do think Kentucky sat on the uh, on the lead and just didn't want to lose. I, I think they, uh, Mark Stoops' mindset was Kentucky hasn't won an SEC game in 17, uh, 17 consecutive meetings with SEC opponents. Him as a head coach, he has never won an SEC game. The only way Vanderbilt was going to be able to score was if Patrick Tolles made it easy for him, like he did on that pick six, uh, which was the dumbest play Patrick Tolles has made this season. But other than that, he's had a very great year, and I, I think it wasn't his best game on Saturday, uh, but still okay. When he was throwing the ball, he looked good on most of his throws. Now, uh, had some fumble issues. Mark Stoops said that his hands were wet and, and sweaty, which is kind of weird to, to think about that he was able to tell that from just shaking his hands or giving a high five on the sideline. So you gotta you gotta figure out a way to make that problem go away for the South Carolina game. I don't think Tolls was as bad as as it as he seemed. Or when you go back and, and think about the game, I don't think he was as bad as uh, as people are making him out to be. I think he actually played okay with the exception of one poor decision for that pick six and a couple fumbles here and there. Yeah, it was uh, Kentucky just needed an SEC win, and I think that's what the coach's mindset was. Any fan would have obviously liked to see them pour it on and spread the ball out, but again, Vanderbilt wasn't moving the ball on UK's defense. Not at all. They could have played another four quarters. They could have played another eight quarters. Vanderbilt was not going to be able to score a touchdown on that Kentucky defense. Uh, and, and credit to UK's defense. It looked great in that game. Bud Dupree, he's got to be an NFL first-rounder, in my opinion. Uh, if you, it, it, it's, it's hard to be able to do this because Kentucky, as a football program right now, there's very few guaranteed wins on the schedule. So you, you watch the whole play. But do yourself a favor and take some time out of watching the whole play develop and just key in on Bud Dupree for a few plays. If you if if you watch football a lot, you consider yourself uh, knowledgeable when it comes to football, and you know what players are supposed to do on certain plays. You can almost see his thought process as he's going after the quarterback, as he's pass rushing. He seems it seems like he knows exactly where he needs to be or what he needs to do on every play. And then that aside, just how physically overwhelming he can be on linemen is crazy to watch. He'll automatically push the lineman back. It's just whether or not the lineman's going to be thick enough or wide enough to stay in his way. But there was one play against Vanderbilt where he he actually did get sucked out a little bit too far, a little bit further than he wanted to. The lineman had actually done a decent job, and he did one 
one move, cut back inside, and just put his right arm behind the lineman and got right past him. The lineman at the last minute tried to try to slow him down just a, a, by a second, whatever he could do to slow him down a little bit. Actually held him, held his shoulder pad, but Dupree still pushed through that and was able to get the sack. Uh, and that poor Vanderbilt quarterback, Freeback, just couldn't get anything going. UK was constantly hurrying him, four sacks, hitting him from every way. But Bud Dupree, in my opinion, is the most talented UK defensive player that they've had for a decade. Somebody, When I tweeted that out on Saturday, somebody tweeted me and said that Kentucky, Avery Williamson was up there, and Wesley Woodyard, and Danny, Danny Trevathan, and all these, those linebackers were all fantastic for Kentucky, and uh, you could probably make a case for Danny Trevathan or... Wesley Woodyard as being eh, really just Danny Trevathan, in my opinion, is the only other one where you can make a case was as who is as talented as Bud Dupree. I think Avery Williamson's great. I think Wesley Woodyard was great, but they didn't have the physical tendencies. They weren't the same build as as Bud Dupree and, and Danny Trevathan, in my opinion. But linebackers is a little bit easier to be to get a ton of tackles, to be in on every play. You just generally sit back, and if you're a smart linebacker, you know where to be. And you could, if a player gets held up, you can be in on every tackle. Uh, So I I feel, although Avery Williamson and and those other linebackers were fantastic for Kentucky, their numbers were obviously a bit inflated. Bud Dupree, not every play goes his way. They can run away from him every single time. And he didn't have the best numbers after the first two games of UK season. And I did ask him then why, you know, you and Zadari Smith are thought to be the best defensive ends in, in the, in the SEC, possibly in the SEC. And, and certainly some of the top pairs of defensive ends across the country. Why are your all's numbers a little bit down? And, and Bud Dupree said that they were sacrificing their numbers for the betterment of the team trying to force everything in the middle by making them go out wide, knowing that they weren't going to get them get much, but as long as they could clog the other defense players could clog up the middle, it would help the defense as a whole. So I asked him what changed on Saturday. Now that his numbers are starting to get a little bit better, he's starting to get a little bit more momentum. And he said the defenses weren't going to be able to run away from him forever. And players are starting plays are starting to come his way. They can't double team him every time anymore. And when they don't, he's going to make them pay. And, and him and the entire UK defense were able to do that on Saturday against Vandy. Vandy's a really, really bad team. Really, really bad team. And, and they don't score a point against Kentucky if it's not for Patrick Tolles. Basically, airmailing a, a pass, uh, just the most predictable pick and play from Kentucky. And Kentucky does that a lot. Uh, very set routes where it's just seven-yard hitches, seven-yard stops. And, and we said after the Ohio game that Patrick Tolles doesn't look off defenders as much as he should. And on that play, he was looking at that side of the field, at that receiver, the second he got the ball in his hand, and it was an easy pick for Vanderbilt. So he's got to be a little bit smarter 
against South Carolina. They need to maybe get a little more aggressive, and they will. Uh, they they will against South Carolina. I don't. I also wonder how much of the playbook they wanted to keep hidden. Uh, you, Kentucky ran the ball just time after time in the fourth quarter. One to end the game, and two, just to possibly not show Steve Spurrier any 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 other offensive passing game plan. Now they did run the Wildcat, and at the time I thought, well, Kentucky doesn't feel confident enough just running the ball. They need something else to close out this game to get a few first downs, so they're going to the Wildcat. I bet that they, I bet that Neil Brown didn't want to show that this week. But the more I thought about it, and the more I talked to some other people, the more I'm thinking maybe they did that just to make Steve Spurrier in South Carolina prepare for the JoJo Kemp Wildcat. Now, I maybe they're doing that. Maybe they didn't want to do that, but they just had to get out of that Vanderbilt game one way or the other. They wanted to control the game, control the clock, keep the defense off the field, maybe prevent injuries. I don't know which one it is. I do tend to think that making South Carolina's defense prepare for a Wildcat JoJo Kemp won't take much out of their regular defensive game planning. I don't feel that that's going to put them behind three days on game planning because they had to spend 48 hours preparing for the Wildcat. So my guess would be that they didn't want to just make South Carolina prepare for that. But if you're of that mindset, uh, it's probably 50-50. But as you have it, I do think that they just got – they were conservative. They wanted to get out of that game with a win keep the defense off the field, keep the defense as healthy as possible because UK's defense looks great throughout the, the – everywhere it does. And crazy to think UK's defense on Saturday had three interceptions when all of the 2013 season they had three interceptions. It's a much different secondary. It's still not where Mark Stoops wants it to be talent-wise, experience-wise. It still has a ways to go, but it is so much better – than last year. Untrue. I'm sure I'll talk about it a little bit more. It wasn't perfect. And I, and I had said, I, I predicted UK to score 46 points on Saturday. They put up 17. I And I predicted them to cover. We'll talk about some covers later uh, after after the first break. But, I had said UK needed a big win to carry momentum. But in my mind, Saturday was, despite it just being 10 points and Vanderbilt just being a touchdown or field goal away from making it a one-possession game, really putting the pressure on Kentucky, the game was never in doubt. Kentucky had a a, a commanding 10-point lead, in my opinion. So while I said they needed a big win to keep momentum, that that was a big win. And the offense, maybe maybe their momentum was stalled a little bit. Maybe it'll be stalled a little bit this week. But if they can get out there early and, and get an early touchdown or have a long drive against South Carolina from the get-go, I, I feel that they'll be right back in rhythm. I, I think they knew that this was a, a different type of game once Kentucky was in the position they were in. 
I think Patrick Tolles realized, okay, let's get out of here with the win. Let's ru- let's hand it off. Let's run the clock, and we'll 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 worry about what we're going to do against South Carolina starting on Monday. And the defense, I felt alone, did enough to con- to keep this momentum that UK football has this season going into Saturday. If you can't get excited about this UK defense and, and equally excited about UK's football team because maybe they didn't have the most amazing performance against Vanderbilt because they didn't blow out a very, very bad Vanderbilt team, then your UK football expectations will never be met. That was a, a good win for UK. Could have been better, sure, but a good win for UK. And now they find themselves in a very interesting position heading into the South Carolina game. And I'll talk more about that after this commercial break. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. So some scary news last night coming out of UK. We're back here on the second segment of the Sports Talker. News broke out that there was gunshots on South South Campus at UK. That's the Blanding Tower and... Landing in Kerwin and the complex is there. That's where I lived my freshman year in the dorms. Blanding 4 was the dorm. It was a low rise. If you have a uh, walk-in closet, my dorm room was about as big as that. It was probably, I mean, it was obviously a little bit bigger than that, but not, not big at all. Good enough to have two beds that were built into the wall. Not into, but attached to the wall. You couldn't move them. They seemed a little bit smaller than twin beds. You'd have a desk, a very small office desk, and then a few drawers for clothes. Not nearly enough. So it was on the South Campus, reports of gunshots. Uh, Obviously, police were on the scene as soon as possible. They had the campus on lockdown. I know a couple people that live up there and uh, talk to them. They wouldn't let anybody on campus. If you were in a campus building at that time, they would not let you out until the lockdown was over. And they investigated it. And and as it turns out, they've got video uh, footage. They found an airsoft gun. They've got video footage of a group of guys wearing... uh, um, one wearing a mask, the other wearing a, a shirt only given out to UK football players, seemingly. And that's that's who who had shot off the airsoft gun, it seems. Now, a lot of people, UK fans are either, uh, well, it seems like a little bit of the majority of UK fans are talking about how stupid this is, blown out of proportion, shouldn't be. 
made a big deal. The fact that the police call were called about an airsoft gun is ridiculous. Here's the thing. Airsoft guns are not guns. They shoot little pellets. They're far less uh, damaging than BB guns. The pellets, the, the airsoft gun pellets that they shoot out are small plastic balls. My friends and I used to always have airsoft gun fights in our parents' basements. Even my dorm, or not my dorm, my fraternity at UK had an arsenal of airsoft guns. As a, as a former fraternity brother of mine said, uh, and that was accurate. So airsoft guns are not big deal, uh, not a big deal at all. But the fact that UK, if it is, if it is in fact a UK player, uh, regardless of who it is, the fact that somebody, a student at UK, thought it would be a good idea to go around wearing masks and shooting the airsoft gun or carrying it around like a gun because it can look like a gun, especially in the dark. The fact that anybody would think that would be a good idea to do on a college campus, given the, given the past five years in America, uh, past seven years in America, all the shootings there's been, all the senseless violence there's been, the fact that anybody would think that's a good idea is idiotic and should be reprimanded. Now, this shouldn't result in a UK player getting kicked off the team. It shouldn't result in a player... Uh, a UK student getting kicked off the university. But the fact is, somebody was walking around with an airsoft gun, shot it. I don't know how that sounded like a gunshot, because uh, they don't at all. Maybe they had something else. Maybe they did something else. Maybe maybe there was no gunshot sound. They heard the, the airsoft gun go off and saw what looked like to be a gun and, and thought they heard a gunshot. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. But the fact walking around on campus with that is dumb. It's a, a poor decision from likely an 18 or 19-year-old kid. Uh, again, all the uh, I, I generally am on the people make mistakes train. It happens, especially when they're young, especially when they're 18 or 19. But this is a, a stupid mistake. This is something that shouldn't have happened. Mark Stoops was looking to get to the bottom of it. And pictures are out. You can find them on almost any UK website. Pictures are out. So this isn't the end of the world. I don't think it should result in a UK player getting kicked off the team. Maybe suspended against South Carolina. Uh, I, I don't think that would be a unreasonable punishment because you could have you, you, you could have scared a lot of people I there was a thread on our message board catsillustrated.com somebody had said that they were a parent and have a freshman at UK and they couldn't sleep at night because of these reports my aunt has a, a daughter that's a student my cousin goes to UK my aunt made a post on Facebook talking about how worried she was you get people worried when you do stuff like this because we live in a society where this is that wasn't it's not un, unbelie, unbelievable to think that there were gunshots fired at a dorm complex at UK 
and it wasn't unreasonable to think that this could happen. My first thought was, oh no, not not so close to home, not an hour away where I've got friends and where I I work, where I went to school, where I lived, not there. This is getting too close to home. My first thought wasn't, oh no, this couldn't be. No way that happens. Because it certainly can happen, and, and that's just a, a stupid incident that, that should be dealt with. Hopefully they find the guy that's responsible, even if it is a UK football player. And he learns his lesson. He realizes why it was such a dumb thing to do, and he suffers some sort of penalty and consequence and, and will be better for it. Clayby116 texts in and says, can the media stop referring to this as simply a shooting incident when it is known now that it was an airsoft gun? A shooting implies that it was a real gun and someone was actually shot at. Well, a shooting incident doesn't necessarily have to even refer that somebody was shot at. Uh, We don't know if they were actually shooting at other people or simply shooting at themselves, squirrels, or other non-living targets. Why do squirrels always get thrown into when animals get shot? It's always squirrels. It could very easily be a bird. That that happened on our message board post time after time. People talking about that they were probably just shooting squirrels. Leave the squirrels alone on UK's campus. They're they are fearless. He said it was not a mass. That was an actual person that people keep thinking was a mass because it's not a clear image. Other photos from other angles clearly show it's not a mask. I. I, I well, here's the. I think it is a mask. You'd have to look on your. You'd have to look for yourself if you haven't seen the picture. It, well, it doesn't really. It, even if it's not a mask, you've got another guy wearing a hoodie with the hood up. It looks like they're trying to be. Trying to keep a low profile, Clay B116. And the fact that they ran away afterwards, as reports say, what does that tell you? They obviously were trying to either intimidate people, they were trying to be goofy, they were trying to just put do some sort of shenanigans that obviously they knew maybe they, they probably knew at the time they shouldn't have been doing. Even if you even if the most in, innocent scenario was they went out with airsoft guns to shoot themselves, to shoot the, their friends, maybe to shoot it at a target. And they just wanted to, to shoot it and play around and because that would be their entertainment for, that, for their Sunday night. Even if it was the most innocent scenario possible, it's still a dumb idea to do it at night, to run away at some point, to ditch the airsoft gun, all those things are going, it's stupid regardless, if it's, even if it's the most innocent way possible. Now it seems like they were trying to be a bit intimidating, they were trying to maybe trick people into thinking it was a gun, I don't know. At the end of the day, it was just a stupid move on their part. Clay says that his take on the punishment depends on what their actual actions included. Yeah, because they're going to tell you the truth. If they were shooting at each other, other people are non-living objects. I assume he, Clay B116, assumes, uh, should mean they should get some sort of punishment. 
but he definitely not kicked off the team. I'd say the only way that you could get a player kicked off the team in this situation, again, we don't know all the facts, but in my opinion, the only way a player could get kicked off the team is if they went around to strangers acting like they had a real gun and intentionally trying to scare them, threaten them, interact with them in a way that would cause fear and damage uh, psychologically to these people. That would be the only scenario, I think, where you could justify kicking a player off the team for this. Because at that point, you're you're basically you know, you're threatening them with, as far as they know, a firearm. And I'm sure there's some legal ramifications for that. As, as far as I know, walking around UK's campus with an airsoft gun is not illegal. Airsoft guns are not illegal. But if you're trying to trick people into the, them thinking it's a real gun, that's illegal. So kind of a messy situation. I'm sure a situation that Mark Stoops obviously wishes he wouldn't have to deal with uh, before such a big game. We're going to get We'll, we'll learn all of the facts and all this will come out. And uh, best case scenario for whoever did it, if they are on the UK football team, and this, the reason people are saying that it is because in the picture he's wearing a shirt that only UK football players were given. It's a, it's a unique shirt to UK football players. If it is a UK football player, his best course of action from here on out is to admit it, to go to Mark Stoop, say, this is what I did. This is what we are doing. I didn't think it would cause this big of a issue, obviously. Uh, as a coach, he needs to talk to Mark Stoops and ask him as a coach and as uh, somebody that he looks up to, what are the next steps? Do I need to go turn myself into authorities? And then let let Mark Stoops help you in that. I'm sure that Mark Stoops say, yes, you need to tell the police that it was you and, and we'll go from there. But that would be the first thing that whoever did this, whoever was involved in this can do is to take responsibility like a man, admit to their mistakes, turn themselves in, and accept what other punishment comes their way. We'll have to see if that happens. The worst thing that this guy, that this player can do is sit back, quietly not say anything. You know Mark Stoops is going to address the team and say, whoever this is, come forward. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to get this out of the way. We've got to focus on South Carolina, so just hurry up and, and move on with this. The worst thing that that player can do at that point is ignore it. And that would be just another way that you possibly could get kicked off the team. But thankful, I think everybody should be thankful that at the end of the day, this wasn't an actual shooting. There was not a firearm that was discharged uh, on UK's campus and take a deep breath and, and relax a little bit. Anyways, for that UK-South Carolina game that I've mentioned time after time how big of a game it is for Kentucky and, and the atmosphere and Keeneland and this and that and the weather it looks like it's going to be great and cool and a little chilly, a, a fall night, an October night. Cats decided today that they're going to make it a blackout night. And anybody that was going to go to Keeneland and then to the UK game, it was going to be a blackout night anyways. But now they want you to wear black while you're blacking out. 
I don't think this is a good idea. They're doing this a week before, less than a week before the game. It's going to be chilly. A lot of folks are going to come from Keeneland. Not everybody's going to wear black from Keeneland. If you're wearing your shirt and tie, the last time UK beat South Carolina in 2010, it was a Keeneland doubleheader that I went to. Not many people are going to be wearing black suits and this and that. Maybe some will, and that will look cool, and their pictures are going to be on websites and good for them. I just don't think it's a good idea for Kentucky to do a blackout. And not because, well, they're blue and white. They're not black. Not because of that. Just because given the circumstances, it's going to be hard for UK fans, which uh, there's not a ton of black UK clothing out there to begin with. But not a, a ton of UK fans aren't, aren't going to be wearing black that day at any point throughout the day. And it's not you, – you have to – if you're going to do a color out, it has to be 110%. Louisville's blackout against Miami was fantastic. They made that uh, known to the public that it was going to be a blackout game seemingly four months in advance. And it looked great on TV. It was a sold-out crowd. And I'm not worried about UK's crowd on Saturday. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be the best crowd that Stoops has ever seen at Kentucky. It's going to be a rowdy crowd. It's going to be a drunk crowd. It's going to be – rocking a Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday. But to give a fan base whose colors are blue and white five days, six days to prepare for a blackout, it's not going to look great. And if it doesn't look great, then it looks stupid. You can't do a a color out, whether it's blue, white, black. You can't do that. You can't halfway go through on it. Everybody's got to give 110% and wearing that color to make it look good throughout the stadium. Otherwise, you're going to have predominantly black with blue specks, white specks, gray specks. I expect that's going to be that's going to be the case on Saturday. But maybe I'll be wrong. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. The crowd's going to be great. And that's what's going to be most important for UK. So we're going to head to our last commercial break. When we come back, Uh, My picks from the weekend, how they did, where we're sitting at for the year. John Calipari spoke to media and alumni in Louisville today, what he had to say. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. One final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Here's a stat for you. SMU, which plays in the AAC, the conference Louisville played in last year, has got some uh, decent teams in it. Not not the best football conference out there, but Central Florida's respected Cincinnati's not terrible. Memphis is having a better season. Some decent, okay teams. One of those, uh, one of those teams that is not a decent, okay team is SMU. The Mustangs. 
easily, I think I've said this a lot about teams in, in college football this year, that they're one of the worst teams. I think I've used that for quite a few teams. Uh, but SMU's probably the worst team. 0-4 on the year. Outscored 0-45 against Baylor, 6-43 against North Texas, 6-58 against Texas A&M, and 0-56 and against TCU. But here's, here's your stat. They've got 12 points on the year. 12. Through four games. Kentucky has... 10 turnovers, have, has forced 10 turnovers. That's impressive. Uh, that says a lot. It's not impressive. Well, it's impressively bad for SMU, uh, but that's a good stat for Kentucky football. 10 turnovers, four games, and surprisingly have has only won the turnover battle in one or two games this year, UT Martin and Ohio. Vandy turned it over three times, but Kentucky did as well. Kentucky turned it over three times against Florida. Florida turned it over just once. But having a defense that can force turnovers, unlike last year, is a huge advantage for Kentucky football. But anyways, uh, I, I, I thought Kentucky would cover. They were just a touchdown away from being able to do that. They didn't. I didn't make that as one of my five picks of the week. I thought Louisville would cover. They didn't. I didn't make that as one of my five picks of the week. But the five picks I did have, and I said that I wasn't super confident before I gave the picks. I felt a little bit better afterwards. But all in all, it was a it was a tough week for college football. Not a lot of great games. We did okay. Two and two with one push. So a 500 week, we still stay above 500 for the year. That gets us at 16 and 13 for the year. Basically a throwaway week. Didn't, didn't win. Didn't lose. We live to see another week. We'll bounce back. We had Texas A&M covering nine and a half against Arkansas. Texas A&M lucky to win that game. Uh, Not able to cover. However, Washington at home, they were getting eight points. They lose by a touchdown versus Stanford. That's a cover. Notre Dame giving 10 against Syracuse. Watched a lot of that game. Ugly game. That Syracuse-Louisville game, I don't know what to expect. I'll have to do a little more research on that heading into the week. But Notre Dame able to cover that t- those 10 points. So that's a that's a win. Those are our two wins. Ole Miss versus Memphis. Ole Miss was given 21 at home. I thought that wouldn't be a problem. Ole Miss doesn't play the be- their best game of the year, win 24-3, so that's a push. And then the surprising loss of the week that I couldn't believe, South Carolina losing to Missouri, only a five-and-a-half-point favorite, which I thought was crazy with Missouri coming off its loss to Indiana. Who actually who got dominated by Maryland? College football is weird this year. South Carolina loses at home. That's not good news for UK. You would have rather them squeak out that win, win at home, not have to go through a loss, because it's it'll be interesting to see if they're 
what where their mindset is. It's been it's been a pretty bad year for South Carolina that had uh, definitely high hopes of winning the SEC East. You get blitzed by Texas A and M in the season opener. You don't look impressive at East Carolina. You don't look super impressive at Vanderbilt. You lose to Missouri. Now they did have that win against Georgia, but you're three and two on the year. You've already got two losses in the SEC. It's going to be very hard to bounce back and win the SEC East from here on out. You basically are going to have to win out, in my opinion. You're going to have to be six and two to win the SEC East. If they lose another one, they're going to be five and three. Five and three could win the SEC East, but you'd want to have those tiebreakers. Uh, we'll have to see if they if they have that. They still got to play at Florida and at Auburn, along with at Kentucky. So Kentucky can essentially, in my opinion, eliminate them from the SEC East Conference race on Saturday. But if you're a UK fan, you would have rather them see uh, see the the Gamecocks beat Missouri. Just maybe, maybe they're going to be a little bit more focused heading into Saturday. So picks didn't go great this week, but again, it could have been a lot worse. Like I mentioned, John Calipari spoke today to UK alumni in Louisville at the Galt House, and I was there. Uh, The highlight of my day was a, a group of media members. There was an empty table for this paid lunch. There's an empty table that we basically, like pirates, took the table over, sat down, acted like that we were paying members. Uh, They fed us lunch. It was fantastic. It was good. It was fun. Kind of felt rebellious. Uh, And John Calipari spoke, too. Nothing earth-breaking, earth-shattering news. Uh, He did say that UK players will have scholarships for life, so if they leave to go to the pros... And at some point throughout their life, they decide they want to come back and get their degree. Kentucky will honor their scholarship, a four-year scholarship. And that's very cool. I think you're going to start seeing that. It are, a lot of some athletic programs do that already. I think you're eventually going to start seeing uh, any athletic program that can afford that to do that. It's just a smart thing to do. To it's an it's a nice gesture for college athletes, for student athletes to show that you not only care about them and, and their commitment to your university uh, and, and you realize their commitment. So in return, you're giving them uh, any, any tools they need in academic success. So that was one interesting part. John Calipari also said uh, he plans on pl- platooning this year, which is subs- five for five substitutions. Five new players will come in games, replacing five. That's what he did in the Bahamas. He said that his plan is to do that at least to start the year. And if it works, then do it the whole year. Plans on pressing more, playing much faster. Uh, No excuse for anybody to be tired because you're going to go out. He said players are only going to play 19 or 20 minutes a game. He realizes their numbers are going to be down. So he brought in a, a guy for analytics to look at numbers per 40 minutes, send those to the NBA. He was all about saying he's players first and he cares about the players and want, wants his players to do well at the next level. I really hit that hard. Said he was surprised that Alex Poitras, Willie Cauley-Stein, and the Harrison Twins came back. Didn't think that was going to be the case. Uh, but nothing huge. And Maybe we'll talk more about this tomorrow because we're out of time for today. So thanks for listening. We'll be back 3 o'clock tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. This is the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Thanks for listening. 